Hi, I'm Jake Cornell. I'm a comedian in New York City, and for the past 10 years, I've been living and breathing the restaurant industry. This is a show where I'll be talking to comedians, actors, bartenders, chefs, and restaurant owners about all things going out. We'll talk about restaurants, bars, staying in, drinking, not drinking, and whatever else we want. This is Going Out with Jake Cornell. As you know, it's Jake again. Feeling pretty good today. Um, last night, I went and saw this play Wolf at Soho Rep with one of my dear friends. If you're listening to this podcast, like the day it comes out, I think that, that means you have like five days left to see it before it closes. And truly, like, open a tab, buy a ticket now, go see it. The show was incredible. Um, I ate dinner beforehand at home because I was like, oh, I'll just like not spend money on dinner tonight and then we'll just like go out for a drink or something after. Um, immediately ate a burger after the show. So I'm feeling a little salty, a little puffy at the moment, but we're going to push through um, because this week's episode is, I'm very excited about it. Um, I have been a fan of this week's guest for truly years and years and years. Um, I used to watch their videos when they were living in New York and I was, you know, stuck in Vermont waiting to get here. And it was so exciting to finally get to talk to her. She's an iconic YouTuber, an iconic podcaster, an iconic and fantastic comedian and actress. You may know her podcast, This Might Get Weird with Mamrie Hart. You may have seen her YouTube videos that have been, you know, iconic and famous for truly years. Um, She is so kind, so funny. This is such a fun conversation and I'm gonna let you listen to it. So please, Enjoy me going out with Grace Helbig. Isn't that wild that they're like making it so uh, not user friendly so that you're forced to upload it to their platform? I know. <laughs> it's so it's crazy. really, really wild. What fun! <laughs> it's truly wild. Um, so I have followed you for years and years and years and um thank you so much of course it's I've enjoyed it from the beginning um but so this is like a show we talk about like going out and you know Mm -hmm. restaurants bars nightlife and I was excited to talk to you because I think you're someone who like in conversations I've heard you have like on your podcast or in videos and stuff like I know that that is like a part of your life but it's not something that you really show in your in your um, yeah. content. Like I'm not like seeing you out. I don't know what it looks like. I don't actually know what your relationship to it is. I, well, it's, it's ch- ever changing, ever evolving. Totally. And when you would ask me to do this podcast about going out. I was like, Oh, okay. I'm going to <laughs> <laughs> have to dig into my archives of what that was like, uh, two years ago. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I'm at the, the precipice of reacclimating myself to going out again. Cause I like everyone, I think I'm naturally an introvert and got very comfortable just being at home over the last sure. like, year and a half. But I do also like going out. I just have to like talk myself into it now yeah, and like push myself out the front door. And then I have a nice time. Pre pandemic when as an introvert, were you at a point where you didn't even need the talk up? Like where you were just able to go out? Yeah, there was more of like a, um, you know, like when you've exercised a bunch and then you're like exercising isn't so terrible. It was kind of like that where uh, I felt more, I guess, lubricated socially (laughs) to go out and talk to people and hang out. And that it was just like 
way more normalized. I, I do feel like now people still like kind of look around like, are we, is this okay? Are we yeah. allowed to do it like this? Is this fine? What's your, I'm curious because you're in New York, Yeah, right? yeah. So are you out there doing it, meeting the people, <laughs> overhearing their conversations? Yeah, I mean, I think my experience has been a very different than a lot of people's because I was also, for the first year and a half of the pandemic, I was working in a restaurant. So my wow. like my like at-home isolated moment really only mm-hmm. happened in like two blocks, which was like the one that everyone had from like March to to May or June. And then I worked in restaurants all that first summer of 2020. And then my restaurant, yeah. And then my restaurant closed, um, December of 2020 for the winter. Like they didn't go to business. They just were like, we're not going to do this winter outdoor thing. It's insane. So then we were closed again from like December to, I think like late March, early April, I think. And so I had these two chunks of like being home alone or not home alone. I like have a partner and I had a roommate for the first chunk, (laughs) but like being kind of like cooped up in the house. Yeah. But I think the level of like when I talk to people like you who are kind of like mm-hmm. I'm I haven't socialized in like two years like this is really mm-hmm. intense for me that I skipped because I was I had to go back to work. So I was like socializing when kind of everyone else wasn't because like I was working in a restaurant and which I'm yeah. kind of thankful for. And so now I mean New York's not I mean like New York has the the vaccine mandates for going inside places. So like you can go to bars and restaurants now and everyone's vaccinated, which is nice. Yeah. And um, so it does feel, I wouldn't say it feels normal, but I think right. I've definitely struggled less than a lot of people with that sort of transition back because I was working. Yeah. Um, Did you miss it when you weren't out, when you were more cooped up? Were you kind of like, f- I want to get back out there? You know, the first, the, f- I mean, like, the first block of it was obviously terrifying because we didn't know what was happening. It was so scary. Right. Yeah. So like, and then the second one was hard at times because like, in New York, it was cold. So, like, it was, like, you couldn't yeah. even, like, go for walks and stuff. So, you just, like, were in your fucking apartment. Yes. Um, really? You against your brain at that point. Yeah. And it was, like, brutal because my my boyfriend works from home. And so, he would have, like, a mm. stressful work day and, like, want to go do something. And he'd be, like, but, like, he had to stay in the room where he had just had a stressful work day. You know I mean? It kind of feels like you never Ooh. get to leave work. So, Ooh. he would be going really stir crazy. And he'd be, like, babe, I get it. And he'd be, like, can we just go somewhere? And he'd be, like, it's 20 degrees outside like I I know like and we have I have the saddest photos of our phone of on, on my phone of one day he was like I really need to go out and I have this photo of us drinking margaritas in 30 degree weather at an outdoor patio and I'm like we're so visibly cold but it was like we just needed to get out you gotta do what you gotta do you gotta it, do what the heart wants and it was like the body's like please no the body's like you're gonna die and we're like we're gonna die if we stay inside too so we really don't have a choice here yes these margaritas will help it'll warm us up and we'll love every second of this. this is fun was very the vibe <laughs> but so yeah it was definitely but I think what was nice was as a comedian it was like the first time I had and I was really like I would before the pandemic I had been really entrenched in like the comedy scene and like figuring and yeah. you're kind of like bouncing off everyone else and some and I think I was really like caught up in everything and it was hard to figure out what my own voice was a little bit I think I'd lost sight of a mm. lot of things and so I think that alone time was really helpful for me to get back to that stuff and like Good. find what I want to talk about and do all that. Um, and I enjoyed that a lot, but then I got, I definitely got sick of um, doing comedy without a live audience. Like, and like That's, I, uh, yeah, I'm sure very, you can relate. 
Yeah, Mamrie and I have just, uh, we, we've been doing shows again. We started a couple months ago, and we hadn't performed live in two years. Yeah. And kind of like, yeah, the I got so used to being at home doing content yeah. for no audience. And so the reverse for us of like, I just need to hear someone laugh in real time so I don't, I can still see if my meter of what I think is funny is operational. Well, because right you now. start to go crazy because I was yeah. like, people would be like, when like I was starting to like, you know, I don't know, like have success or whatever, people would be like, how does it feel? And I'd be like, um, it's numbers on a screen. I, I don't know how to tell yeah. you this, but like, it's not um, like, I haven't heard, I've been doing comedy now, like building an audience for like a year and I haven't heard one single person laugh out loud to it. So I am actually <laughs> losing my fucking mind. Like this isn't. But you've seen many LOLs written out for you. Yeah. And you it, have to it, just imagine what that sounds like in your I'm head. I'm like playing my own laugh tracks in my living room. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I definitely, that was the part I missed the most. So now like back out at live shows, I'm like, I'm like, I can't say no to a live show. Like I'll literally do a live show anywhere at any point in time. It's, I'm Good. just down. Yeah. It just works the comedy muscles. Yeah, and it's just like it feels like making up for lost times of just like hearing people laugh, being in front of audiences, like being also like seeing other people perform. Like yeah. it's just a diff it I missed all of that so so much. Totally, totally, totally. Yeah, it's um it's definitely a muscle that when it starts to get worked out again, you're like Ah, this is very nice. It's also still a little bit stressful, but very nice. But it's stressful in like a fun way, kind of. That thing of, it's the adrenaline thing of like, you go up and you go down and you like kind of ride the wave of it. And also just being out in the real world, experiencing the way people are existing only gives you more content, only gives you more material. Inspiration, material, a hundred percent. Yeah, because when you're by yourself at home trying to, like, scrape the bottom of the barrel of, like, what can I talk about? Should I show my dog again, I guess? I don't I know. know. <laughs> it's getting old. I know. It's so true. It's so true. Like, people, if whenever people are, like, asking me, like, what do you do when you have, I'm like, go for a walk. Like, literally just go somewhere mm-hmm. and see something. Like, you can't, like, looking around your apartment, you're going to, like, lose your mind. And that's when you're going to make the video that people watch and they're like, she doing okay? <laughs> it's all I get now anytime I post anything is, are you okay? No. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one extremely kind that we've all decided to reach out and check in on our friends, but to a bit pretentious and demeaning. Uh, uh, you can say more than a bit. That's brutal. If I posted a video and someone was like, hey, are you okay? I'd be like, I'm not good. <laughs> I know, and the answer is probably not, but I'm, I'm trying through it in the way I see fit for myself. Uh, yeah, that's so. Are you doing stand up then in New York? Yeah, I mostly do stand up now. Nice. Yeah, I was nice. much more in the improv world before everything, and I don't really do that anymore. It's pretty much exclusively stand up. And um, yeah, I feel like the improv world like ceased to exist in the last year. I kept wondering, like, what what are the who, are these kids just playing zip zap zop at home? God, I fucking hope not. <laughs> I was recently, and like I mean this with all the kindness in the world, but I was recently. This was like a couple months ago. I like did a show, and I was like talking to people who I knew from like my improv days who I hadn't seen in like years. And yeah. one of them, they were like, "So like, what are you doing?" And I was like talking, and they were like, "I was like, what are you doing?" And they're like, "Well, my improv team's been practicing all this pandemic once a week on Zoom. We did a practice every week through the whole pandemic on Zoom." And I like almost passed out. I was like, wow. "You did what?" Like I cannot imagine. <laughs> Wow. I mean, kudos to them, but uh, that's not something I see myself being a part of. I don't see that um, for me in the future. Yeah, but good for them. No, did I, um, I mean, like, I'm not one to judge. Did I, like, play Jackbox game and get really fucking drunk on Zoom? Yeah, that happened. Yeah, 
you pick your lane and you, you pick your lane, your lane and you're saying it. I was trying did like I don't know if you had like the Zoom parties of like drinking with your friends while on Zoom, but like back in the day, but I was trying to I was talking to someone like, do you remember like the first time you got really drunk with friends on Zoom, closed the laptop, and then you were like, I'm just alone drunk in my living room? Like that oh, moment. Oh god. We I mean, years ago we used to do Google Hangouts live and then and get drunk and they were um they proved to be real problematic, real quick. Yeah, because you are ultimately drinking alone. You're drinking alone, and then by the time you're done, you're like, oh, I'm way too drunk by myself to be, I'm in my safe space technically, but I don't feel safe right now. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> oh, man. So, um, like, I, like, for you, what was... Was is going out something you ever enjoyed, or was it more something that you did as like a like? And also, I I know yeah. you started out in New York and then moved to LA. So like, what was that kind of trajectory for you? Yeah, I was always super shy and introverted growing up, and then when I got into improv comedy in New York at the People's Improv Theater, which uh, closed down during the pandemic, that's when like going out became um, just so inherent in my life because it's like you know a community that you become yeah. part of. You perform once a week, and then everyone goes to the bar afterwards, yeah. or the theater has a bar in it that everyone moves to. And so you just have like these Wednesday nights that, you know, are your Taiwan on nights and yeah. it's just kind of like laced into the culture of everything. And also living in New York, it was just like so easy to go out and the, you know, shitty apartment that you lived in wasn't like a dream to go home to. So you're like, I know. I, and also, yeah, I, I, that's when I started doing YouTube stuff. And so I worked from home all day long and then to go out at night and do shows and then go out after was like the release from being alone in my brain cage all day. Uh, but then moving to Los Angeles, it was a bit of a culture shock of just learning, you know, everything's much more spread out. Uh, you realize if you don't live in the proximity of like your friends, you don't hang out with. <laughs> They're not your people. friends. <laughs> <laughs> they become acquaintances that you like will like each other's Instagrams every now and then. Uh, and so it was, yeah, I felt like it was a much more regular routine of going out uh, in Los Angeles pre-pandemic. And I, I liked it. Once I was in the rhythm of it. Now, mm -hmm. like I said, I'm trying to figure it out again. Like we just went to San Francisco for Thanksgiving and it was really, really fun. And we went out to a couple different bars and things like that. But I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I realized like I'm older in knowing my capacity <laughs> to go out. Totally. And that sometimes I need a nap because I also have that thing where I am a little socially anxious. Mm -hmm. So I... I get overly excited to like when I'm having conversations with people that I don't like uh, space out my energy levels. <laughs> so I go from like zero to 60 and then I either have to like be brought down or I need to go home. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I'm getting back into it now. And I think, I obviously in my life have become close friends with people like Mamrie Hart who are much more extroverted. And I think that's just like unconsciously I admire like her ability and desire to go out so naturally all the time Yeah, that like having that as a close friend helps push me a little bit past my uh, boundaries in a good way. Totally. It's interesting to talk to you about that because like I'm like, I have a best friend who I've, 
and my boyfriend who are both, I would say introverts and I'm the memory of the situation where I'm definitely like, so I'm like, we could go out tonight um, or tomorrow night or we, you know, like I'm like always down and I need to be pulled back a little bit and they need to be pushed a little bit. And it's always like, you know, towing that line of like, totally what is, who's, who's like, who needs to be pushed, who needs to be pulled tonight and like playing that a little bit is like. The, um, yeah, and I'm so, I'm sure that you felt the same way that she does about how, like, you're kind of making up for lost time of being out and socializing and, like, having adventures and that sort of thing. I am, but I also at the same time think that there was an, there's, like, an element of, like, I think so much of what drove me to go out, or a part of what used to drive me to go out when I was younger was FOMO. Like, especially, like, living yeah. in New York, you can just so constantly feel, and I'm sure it's similar in LA, but, like, yeah. you can just constantly feel like, well, there's always something happening, and I'm, like, missing out if I'm not out, and, like, what the point is the point of staying home? Totally. And I don't, I think just with age, I think a little bit comes, like, the thing of being, like, there will also be something tomorrow, and if you stay in tonight, you will, you know what I mean? And, like, yeah, like for it's hard to rationalize that when you're, like, but I can see on people's stories that they're out. I know, it's hard. The the craziest thing is, like, when I lived in New York, Instagram had, like, just started. Totally. So, there wasn't even the ability to check in on where everyone was. So you just had to like text and meet up with people at bars and find out who was there when you got there. And so you had to kind of like gamble on the FOMO rather than seeing it firsthand. And then you would see like, like trying to explain to Gen Z the feeling of a full album being uploaded to Facebook of a party you didn't even know existed until the album goes up. And then you spending one hour clicking through the full album and being like, and then what if I die? Like, to see what if they have other angles of different. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> like, okay, so they have an album too. Okay, so okay. interesting. Okay. Oh, and then they showed up at oh after midnight. Okay, wow, yeah, this got wild. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah, and you're like, okay, cool. And I was, I didn't, I did not even know it happened. And <laughs> I know, and that was kind of. I remember like when Instagram and Snapchat first started, and I had friends that would just use it so like uh, organically and just in real time post everything that they were doing. And I felt like that's so fucking crazy to me that you're just yeah. like putting it out there for everyone when I don't know if I'm going to have a good night or bad night tonight, depending on what we're drinking. And so I yeah. like to keep it on the down low and then post later if it went well. At that point where you already somewhat of a public figure though, um, yes and no. It, I, it was hard to, t- in New York, it started before, like towards the end. I moved in like 2012 and that's like when things started to kind of peak and when I would walk around New York and occasionally people would come up to me and that blew my mind yeah. because, you know, everything's in these boxes and like you said, you just see numbers. Yeah, it's numbers on a screen. that those are... Yeah, you forget that those are real humans attached to those numbers. And so it always used to, like, kind of freak me out. Um, And, yeah, then, especially when I went out with Hannah and Mamrie at the time, because sometimes when we would go out, like, people would think maybe that's one of them, but when we were all together, they'd be like, and confirmed. Yeah, Yeah, totally. (laughs) The the redheads with them, that's got to be (laughs) Mamrie. That's so funny. Uh, Yeah, and then also when we moved to... Uh, Los Angeles it was so hard to go out because Uber hadn't even started yet and so like the first and you're sort of that niche population that chooses to not drink and drive so that's hard yeah absolutely (laughs) well also I come from living in New York for five years I hated driving I had to like get used to that yeah uh, moving to Los Angeles but I remember when Uber first started they would reach out to um 
I guess like influencers before they we were all called that. Yeah. And they'd be like, uh, if you take Uber and take a photo of it, um, and tag us, like we'll give you twenty five dollars towards your next ride. And we were all like, holy shit! That's, yeah, oh my I god. Love this. So on my like way way back, like probably eight or nine years on my Instagram, you can probably find photos of like me and Mamrie in Uber <laughs> in terrible lighting, just being like going out, hashtag Uber. And then like emailing their social media person to be like, I, I posted it. Give me my $25. <laughs> <laughs> May I please have my credit? Please. please. <laughs> that's so funny. No, but I think, yeah. that, I think that's interesting to like think about. I, I, I interviewed Sushin Pak for the show, mm-hmm. which was like incredible, but she was talking about, how great going out was before the pandemic or not before the pandemic, before the pandemic of social media. Um, like, and like, yes, how cool she was like specifically talking about how cool, like the Holly, like how the Hollywood, like celebrity parties before there was social media actually were really fucking fun and cool because like they were the only places where those people actually could like act behind the scenes because there wasn't yeah it wasn't being broadcast out to like thousands of people and it was like this really exclusive fun thing and it just that I kept on thinking about that after the interview where I was just thinking about all the things about socializing that were different before social media and I was like damn it really hadn't occurred to me because it's like that thing of like a fish doesn't feel like a, the water they're in starting to boil what's the saying do you know what I'm talking about <laughs> my brain started to fully run out of gas on that one like if you put can't wait a f- to learn a it. fish in hot a fish doesn't know water's getting hot till it boils. Is that oh, it? Oh yeah, that makes. Some, I mean, yeah. Is it a frog? He's like mouthing me. Oh. Frog. It's okay. <laughs> Are you saying that a saying. fish would know, but a frog would not? Okay. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it's Very like the thing good. of like I think just because it was happening gradually, I didn't really like think about it at the time. But I'm like, oh yeah, damn. Before it was like, it yeah. just happened in like a very different way. Yeah, and I think because we like the people that I'm closest to as content creators, like still, I think have it a bit embedded in them that that's not necessarily like their go-to. Like occasionally there's been drunk nights where we wake up in the morning and you check your phone immediately and then you delete, 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 delete as much as possible. Uh, But I, I remember like, I don't know, four years ago or something, seeing like the new wave of content creators and that their parties were wild, especially in Los Angeles. I'm sure. Yeah. Every angle was documented by every single person constantly. And it one blew my mind that there was so much documentation of this. But two, that I'm like, no one's actually enjoying the party. Totally. Just it's also like for the, the party, party to for these photos to look good, this party is fully lights on. Like you lit the party. Like, <laughs> yeah, like exactly. I've always thought that. Like I look at the photos, I'm like, was this party lit? Like and not like yeah, lit fun. Just, like, is there a lighting kit at this party with like series of ring lights in a circle around I'm so everyone. cursed but I get I'm curious like with going out and just like socializing in general with and mm-hmm. especially like you and your uh like your cohort I guess that were kind of at the mm-hmm. forefront of this like shift of new media like yeah. placing the line of like what of my social life is content and what of my social li- like yeah, I'm sure that is th- that's the thing that I think we all were you know when, when you do Originally, when I started making content, mm-hmm. and Mamrie and I have talked like at length over the years about all of this, that it was comedy first, always yeah. comedy first, and then 
you know, uh, real thoughts and opinions about the world and things maybe second, second. and like personal life was like maybe tertiary if that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there became this like wave of people like daily vloggers and like family vloggers and all this that were just like basically producing their own reality shows on yeah. the internet. And wow. That's, reality- I, that's such a good way of wording it that I've never thought to word it. Well, producing I love, your own reality shows. I'm obsessed with reality television. So obviously I was just like hyper fascinated by like someone's ability to be just so like without boundaries in a way. Yeah. Uh, and because I'm pre- like still a pretty private person in a lot of ways. And so you felt this pressure in keeping up with content creation to be a little bit more like personal to reveal more parts of your personal life. And I feel like I swang that way for a little bit and then I felt just kind of like icky about it about putting like my relationships super out there putting like all of the like more behind the scenes stuff out there and I lost a little bit of like focusing on comedy yeah and so I think now I've had a bit of a healthier restructuring of boundaries but also my overall like thoughts on content creation I've kind of like stepped back from it a little bit over the last couple years of just recalibrating my adult life and trying not to get stuck in that thing that I think is so easy to get stuck in of like, you know, the 2014, 15 of it all and like kind of living in the nostalgia of it and trying to like evolve and grow, which I think that's what I'm hyper fascinated about, like the future of content creation and like where my brain has been over the last like two years of just wondering how everyone's going to evolve with all of the constantly evolving like technology. Cause for myself, I found that I wasn't able to grow because I was like just putting everything in these boxes online and not actually like living my own private, like to- personal <clears throat> life. I just tried to say totally and choked, but yeah. <laughs> you just to- throw up on your mouth. <laughs> Grace, <laughs> we have to point. stop. <laughs> uh, thank you for chatting. Um, yeah. So I think we, we're still like focusing on comedy and that sort of thing. Like Mamrie and I have a podcast that we talk pretty personal on and it's been a really kind of like healthy space and community to do that in. Yeah. Uh, especially cause we're still in control of like what and how much we're putting out there. And we both love and respect each other enough to like not make it uncomfortable for ourselves. But I do get concerned when I see people like, you know, publicly spiraling <laughs> over their social media that makes my heart hurt so much I because i always say it like you can't take back the really personal things that you put out there and it's yeah. only getting harder to try and like walk yourself back from those lines so i it's easier said than done to be conscious of it but uh yeah i still try and make sure that I have a bit of a boundary set for myself. I think it's like so, it's so important. It, and like, I think it, it it scares me because especially like with what you were talking about, about like f- filling these boxes, it's like it, mm-hmm. the these platforms kind of demand that you create your content in these certain ways or create your comedy or whatever you're making in these certain ways so that it like works within these certain contexts and these certain platforms. Yeah. And it's like, if you're doing that to like hyper fixate or hyper customize like your whatever you're making so that it like works well on TikTok, like mm-hmm. you're suddenly creating like you're not creating like something that's you. It's like it's TikTok. But then when you start infusing your own humor into it and your own personal life into it, it's like you're selling your soul to the devil a little bit. Like I think like and it scares yeah. the shit out of me when I watch people doing it. like it's like I don't know. It started to 
freak me out. Like, cause like the first place I started like building a, a following was like on TikTok, and I wasn't, yeah. and I did like, I think I did like one video that was like a tick. I made like a joke out of a TikTok trend. And then mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, so I'm actually just never going to do this again. Like this really felt weird and scary <laughs> to me that like I made, I, it really like chilled me to the bone in this way where I was like, take advantage of the platform for like the fact that you can get your stuff out there, but like make it your yeah. own and don't try to like become part of this like thing because I don't want to be like known as like a TikToker. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not, sure. I don't work. I'm not on this app's payroll, you know, like. Totally. That's the thing that I think a lot of YouTube creators have kind of like in certain ways come to epiphanies on is that like, Oh, in the beginning stages of YouTube, they really made their content creators feel like they were helping grow the platform together with yeah. the company itself and treated everyone really amazingly. Um, but then it grows so massively that you realize like, oh, you're just like a cog in the machine. Like yeah. you're not, uh, yeah, like you said, necessarily on the payroll for this for this platform that other people are using in ways that you might not agree with. And so it's hard to yeah. be like associated with. But also, yeah, those beginning stages, the platform and all, I think, content creation platforms grew under this um, umbrella idea of consistency and authenticity. And everyone threw around this word authenticity so much. And like everyone that came up, you know, was like, how do I present my authentic self? But then it like steamrolled into how do I do what's popular under the guise that I'm presenting an authentic self? And so to me, I'm like, when I see someone like you, I'm like, there is genuine authenticity to what you're doing and stuff that you can tell that you think is funny, which is what I love watching people do. The stuff that they're like, this is just for everyone else. Like, I genuinely think this is funny. Thank you. And my friends or like whoever, because that's how we all started making content. It's like keeping one person, at least for me, I had like one person in mind that I thought was like the funniest person. And every time I made something, I was like, will this make that person laugh? Totally. And, And that's like, was the only kind of like, rubric I had for myself at the time and it's hard now because it's an actual business like at that time it wasn't a business we were all like dreamers trying to like you know make it uh, happen yeah and appreciate the fact that we had opportunities to do stuff that we were genuinely passionate about um so it's I haven't been able to recalibrate myself to operating from the idea that it is a business and I should treat it like that sometimes yeah I mean it's hard like it's hard when it's like your own thing, but it also like you do need to like make money off of it and like make a living, but also like yeah. if you treat it too much like that, then it loses the spark of whatever it was. So that line totally. is almost impossible to tow, but has to be towed. Question for you in terms of like going out. Yeah. When you film. Thank you for bringing us back your- to track and not me, the host of the show. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know this is also a problem I have. I've been podcasting for so long that you'll have to call me out if I ask you too many questions. No, this is great. <laughs> I mean, like the show's whatever we want it to be, but it's just funny that I, it's like we're fully off track and then you're like, okay, so to bring it back to the subject matter. Well, I mean, this is very loosely tying it back no, in. Please. But like you film out in public a yeah. lot. What, how do you, do you go to areas or do you just not give a shit if people are like watching you record or. Or being at a restaurant doing something? Great question. So So I have the luxury of having a backyard. So those videos, like, if you watch my videos, you you can probably figure out which setup is, like, my backyard. There's, like, a patio table on, like, a stone platform with, like, a fence around it. That's my backyard. So that, those outdoor videos, I just can do it in my backyard. Um, Love. 
is there one time I just had to record a full video where there was a guy leaning out like the window above just ripping a bong over and over again. And I was like, what does he think I'm doing? Like this must be like, he's just getting like higher and higher and higher. And I'm just like, yeah. it was, it was uh, funny. But um, so for those videos, I'm just in my backyard, the gay Brooklyn dad videos, which are like the main yeah. one I record out. Those are like, that's the greatest example of me like running around like a fucking maniac, like in public. Yeah. Um, those were like pretty, I think the first, the first one, or not the first one. One of them was in my backyard. One of them was made in my backyard. And then the rest that are outside are mostly in Fort Greene Park. And um, I started in like the winter during the pandemic. So the park was kind of empty and it was like fine. Yeah. But then I kept making them. And then there was a few few days where I was like, "Mm, park's kind of full. Um, (laughs) And I did just kind of have to like find a secluded area and do it and like mm-hmm. hope that no one my greatest fear like once those videos started getting popular I was like if someone films me filming this video and posts I it I will die <laughs> like I was just like please don't like and luckily I mean someone maybe someone probably has a video of it on their phone somewhere but like I haven't seen it sure. posted anywhere publicly but yeah I just kind of had to be like all right fuck it like I'm doing it um yeah. but what's funny is also like because it's just me filming myself on a phone I also am like Oh, there's a there's a world in which someone doesn't realize I'm filming a video and thinks I'm like having a meltdown. <laughs> right. Yeah. And exactly. I don't <laughs> which is which also is funny. Like, it's funny because you're like, that's what I hope they think. I hope they think that I'm having a meltdown and not making a TikTok video right now. I know. One time I recently I recently was I did a character that was like Kirsten Cinema's stylist and I was yes, like I just saw that okay I was filming I'll wait I'll send you a blooper I have of it where this I'm walking down the street because I was that was just in bed and yeah. I like one of the I, I don't think it's a, it's a line that made the cut but it, like the final cut but there was a line that had some sort of like ridiculous joke in it and like I I'll never forget filming it and then this woman head with this woman's head came around a hedge being like what the fuck did you just say like she was and I like I, you see me like in horror see her and I'm like it's a video I'm so sorry like, <laughs> I know it's so because I also do feel like the culture of it is so everywhere now that you must be you must walk around New York and just see other people filming things all the well, time anyway. can I ask this because yeah. my version of that for LA is are you just driving in LA and riding into f- people doing full dance routines in the street professionally at all times because I'm sort of <laughs> what <laughs> Look, I I don't think the area that I live in uh, has a ton of that going on. There's some, but I uh, where my fiance used to live, he used to live in like an apartment building that was full of content creators. And the uh, I just started getting so anxious. <laughs> it was well, they well they were also young and they had no clue who I was, uh, and I would just see them in the elevator with their like full setups of like mm-hmm. the vlog mic with the puffy uh, microphone on yeah, top yeah, with yeah. like the handle that they were, and it'd just be like a sad looking guy and like a really hot girl <laughs> like coming back from having shot something. Ah. And I was just like, oh, and then they'd get off the elevator and there'd be two people that looked very identical to them like getting on the elevator with equipment and I was like oh wow this okay. is dark it's everywhere now it's happening it's fully happening I don't yeah. see it that much in New York but I think but I also think there's le- like I guess you do see it a little bit but I feel like there's less like 
I think there's more, a lot of people doing like comedy stuff, but I think like the content creation that you're talking about, that feels a little more like LA focused, except for, yeah. except for food content, like restaurant food, vlogging content. That is, yes. um, a, a endemic in this city in a way <laughs> that is like so intense so so intense oh I bet the um yeah I don't live like I feel like everyone's out in Santa Monica and Venice in that area just like doing stuff around the beach over there and I live on like the opposite side of town from that so Gorgeous. I don't get to see it as much I don't know why it makes my like body cringe when I do see it but I have to give props to people that are just like so unabashedly unembarrassed just like going out doing getting their content done yeah I I try not to judge it but I uh, do um (laughs) (laughs) you can't help how you feel sometimes Sometimes recognize the feeling let it go (laughs) I know truly it's so funny but I do think like it's interesting like I think for me, because like I've never done it's I've it's been interesting as someone who like most of my stuff that I've done is on the internet right now. And it's like, um, so people know people who know me from that. And that's like what they, people who recognize me for my work, they know me for like the stuff I've done on the internet. And I think sometimes they think about that. They, they put everyone who's done stuff on the internet in one category. So I'll get people like shoot a video right now. Like let's make a video together. And I'm like, what would that look like? Like, what are you talking about? Like I had this recently where it was like, I was hanging out with someone who I'm very, very close with. Mm -hmm. And then they brought someone who I'd never met before. And that person Mm -hmm. kept on being like, let's make a video. Let's make a video. And I was like, I, this, I don't know what you mean. Like, I don't, do you want, it's like when you tell someone you do comedy and they're like, tell me a joke. Yeah. Like, that's not, that's not how this works. So I've been getting, so I recently, so I recently, I guess like three months ago now stopped working in restaurants. So like comedy is my only job. Hell yeah. Which was very exciting. But the unforeseen, the thing I like didn't expect was like, or hadn't thought about was when, just how many days in your life you get asked like, oh, what do you do? And like, I used to just say bartender. Cause that was like the thing I did for money. Yes. And now I would, and so then when it stopped, I was like, I guess the answer like is comedian. Ooh, the way I had to stop doing that real quick. Like it is the worst answer you can give anyone in your life ever. Cause, and it's not tell me a joke that I get. This is the one that I, people are like, what do you do comedy about? I was like, I don't know. It's my whole job. I don't know. (laughs) And this one guy, I like this one guy, I was like, I don't know. It's about a lot of different stuff. Like it sort of changes day to day. I do a lot of different stuff. And he's like, oh, okay. And he started to walk away. And then he was like, no, cause you know, like, like some gay guys, like they do gay stuff. Do you do the gay stuff? And I was like, You're like, I mean, <laughs> I went, well, well, I'm gay. So I guess anything I do could be considered gay stuff. Exactly. And he was like, that makes sense. That makes sense. And then he walked away and I was like, and so now I tell people I'm a freelancer. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Cause it's not a lie. Answer. It's not a lie. That's a great, yeah. But it sounds was, boring. Um, so no one asks more questions. I know there was, um, a point in which. I would say if like someone asked on a flight or if they asked in an Uber, um, I was a party planner um, um, because people don't seem to want to ask more questions about that. I just say it's it's pretty stressful. (laughs) (laughs) That's really stressful. I don't want to talk about it. And then that's it. Uh, yeah, I've, yeah, the comedian thing saying that you do that is hard. I sometimes say just like writer, or uh, I'm back in school now, so I just say I'm back in school, which is an honest answer to give. Uh, but Maymer and I have been doing these shows on tour, and so I've gotten a lot of, like, asking questions about <laughs> what we do as we're getting into an Uber to go to a theater, holding a bunch of posters and stupid props, just being <laughs> like, uh, 
We do. We perform. <laughs> That's it. Wait, you mentioned Mamrie, and this like reminded me because like I was thinking about like stuff that you you and Mamrie used to do like way back when. Like there was like an alcohol component to a lot of the stuff, like drinking games yeah. or like Mamrie had like she would do like the drinking. Yeah, why, Dad? You deserve a drink. Yes, yeah. I have a very um, I have a funny story resulting from a um, recipe from a why, Dad from college. <gasps> Oh my God. Okay. Um, I made my, well, me and my best friend, um, it's actually, I think the only Y dad drink I ever made, but it was the vegan Bailey's recipe. Oh shit. Yeah. So the thing, well, so Grace, that's the thing is that there should be a disclaimer on this video. That's like, Hey, this is like three times stronger than normal Bailey's. Like, (laughs) um, and I thought it would be appropriate. So I made two pictures of it for my family Thanksgiving. (laughs) which resulted in a full-grown mother of three crawling on the floor pretending to be a dog. So... (laughs) I mean, if that's not what Thanksgiving's all about... And I just will never forget David, my best friend, and I standing, like, against a wall in my living room looking at her and being like, we shouldn't have made this cocktail. Like, we should have, like, this was a mistake. Oh, my God. But also it was amazing. so happy to hear it. Tell her. Also, it's such a delicious cocktail, but it is so boozy. I know she makes that's the, uh, the every one that she makes should come with a warning label that they are delicious but like you gotta be conscious of what you're putting in your body because all of a sudden you don't know where you are anymore. I know you're you're getting ripped but I was guess I was curious like so when that when like a big part of your public persona was um had an alcohol component to it and like a cocktail yeah. component to it did that bleed into like when you guys went out at all where people did you feel like people were like pushing you to drink or like pushing you to like do shots yeah. with them or like buying you shot like Oh, hugely. And like Hannah had her kitchen. Mamrie had you deserve a drink. And so anytime we were out, people, especially to them, especially to Hannah, Hannah would get recognized more than uh, any of us. And people at bars would always either send over a drink or want to buy her a drink. And she's a petite little woman. And so she's like, it's like when it's your birthday party and everyone's trying to buy you a drink and you're like, I'm in a blackout. I have to stop. Like Exactly. And so she had to learn like a hard and fast boundary of like, thank you so much. But like, I, I really can't do this. Like my body can't handle it. Totally. There was a period of time where we just said yes to all the dresses. We were just like, yeah, sure. Okay. Okay. And then learned very quickly that, um, uh, my organs now, I think, are paying for that <laughs> era of our life. But it was always so sweet. I was like, oh, okay, this is, in any other situation, would seem very threatening and very harmful. Uh, but at the time, it was always very sweet. And the amount of, it got to a very, like, sweet but bizarre level when every time we do shows and people would just bring gifts of booze to us, like, oh after God. shows. And, like, I'm talking, like, 10-year-olds walking up saying, my aunts bought you guys these bottles of tequila and us being like, I don't know if this is the impact that we wanted to have. No. And it was always very sweet. Like, thank you so much. That Um, is so funny. Yeah, it was it was always very very sweet, but yeah, we um, had to rein it in a little bit over the years. <laughs> and then also, it was also like the era of just like drinking and doing challenges on YouTube became so prevalent for everyone. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. I remember a few years after that, stepping back and being like, "Ooh, those are some boozy eras." And, uh, getting full tilt drunk on the internet. <laughs> I know, but like that's the fun thing now is that people come up and tell memory stories like yours that it's like you helped me uh, have my first drink when I was 21. And it's like, oh, if you're going to make a 
fancy cocktail for yourself at 21, that's not a bad impact. <laughs> no, that's great. That's honestly fantastic. <laughs> right. It's not just swigging from a bottle of pop-offs and hoping for the best. <laughs> I will say you guys kept it together. Like, I don't remember anything too embarrassing from, because I was also, it's just funny because like, do you mind me asking how old you how old you are? I'm 36. Okay. So how old are you? I'm 29. Hell yeah. So it's like the age difference where it's like, it, now it's funny because like now you don't feel all that much older than me. Like, but like mm-hmm. when I was, so, but like when I was like, when you were like 23, I was like 15. Right. And so yeah. it was like, I, and especially like I lived in Vermont. So it would be like watching someone who lived in New York was like so cool. Yeah. And I, yeah, it felt like a little, like in hindsight, we felt like adults, but now I look back and I was like, I was 23, just running around drunk in Brooklyn. How <laughs> was I, uh, made it through alive and how did like my parents think that that was like totally okay. Uh, I also think like for our benefit, like we said earlier, we didn't have as much outlet for social media live in real time while we were at bars because yeah, there's many nights totally. I don't remember. Wait, <laughs> that, okay. I'm so glad you said that. Cause that reminds me of what I was going to bring up earlier, which is like, I, cause we were talking about, we were taught when we were talking about like the rise of social media. And I was like asking if you were already like a public figure when it did, because like something yeah. I experienced over the past like year and a half is like, I actually feel like I'm definitely watching. I'm definitely like on my phone way too much now, but like, same for different reasons but I think I think since my since my Instagram I never had TikTok before I was like a public comedian um but my Instagram since has now become like part of my job it's like where I post videos it's where I promote my shows yeah my relationship to it as a platform has become I think so much like more mentally healthy because it Mm. it's not just like me and all my friends and it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel as much like an extension of my social life yeah um whereas like when I had 2,000 followers which it's like do I have 2,000 friends no but like was I comfortable (laughs) in following any of those people like I don't think so like do you know what I mean it's like such a bizarre thing Uh but like I th- it felt like so much more like literally just like an extended arm of my social life in this way that was like really toxic I think because you're like comparing yourself to people and whatever and now it's just like this thing that I like use to promote my shows and like if I make a video I post it there but it doesn't feel as much like a representation of like my actual it's not at all a representation of my social life you know what I mean like I'm not yeah. I mean I guess I post stories sometimes but th- even those are about like shows and work yeah. more than they are about like where I'm out or where I'm at or like what I'm doing and mm-hmm. I like I was like, oh, this is so much more healthy and fun. And I was just, I yeah. guess I was curious if you, did you experience, because like you, I'm curious what it was like to kind of be someone who was be, like famous, yeah. I guess, when that was all happening in this way where it's like maybe people around you weren't. And so you're experiencing social media in a different way than they were. Does this question make sense? Yes, it does, because this is something I still struggle with this to this day, which is why I don't post a ton, because I think like I'm trying to reframe like what you did, my relationship to social media, because the majority of the content that we were making was on YouTube. That was like our platform. That's where we worked. Then all of a sudden Instagram was created and I thought and Twitter was created. I didn't fully understand them. I thought they were kind of dumb. And also it stressed me out to now have to think about content for other platforms. So I just threw up stuff like random without much thought, very like just fun to be able to participate. But then I feel like I blinked and I, open my eyes and suddenly you have all these like completely beautifully curated Instagrams. And when I first heard about 
you know, figuring out your Instagram aesthetic, I was like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, I what? Know. So I have to figure that out now too. And I just like could not wrap my head around it and always had like a very, um, just kind of of like resisted the idea of trying to make that situation. Were like you experiencing me, like I think it's, professional pressure to do that? Yeah, because it felt like everyone that was creating this like 360 brand was trying to oh, create sure. individual content for all platforms, which will burn you out quicker than drinking vegan Baileys. Like it <laughs> will, unless you have like a great team around you. And I've, I've never like strived to build up like the brand in a way that, creates like a network of people working for me. I've always tried to keep it very like much my, everything is, I don't have an assistant. Everything's just me and Mamrie doing our stuff and our individual stuff. Um, so, and maybe that's for better or worse. I've watched people truly like grow successfully and build out their stuff and create content across all platforms. But to me, it just like flooded my brain to think about that. And I'd love to get back to the point where, I don't give as much of a shit about it and I can post more freely without thinking everything has to be completely figured out before you put it up there. Um, but it's, it's also hard. I open TikTok and I'm like, these are the funniest people. All, the all of them. Everyone's yeah. posting the funniest things I could ever, what do I possibly have to contribute to this platform? What do I possibly have to say that isn't already said or done in a more hilarious way than what I could do? And so I've, um, I started a grad school program like a year ago. And so I've kind of taken a step back to figure out like what that, how that affects my life and like how I want to deal with social media. Cause I do. Is it in sociology? It, Did I make this up? No. It's in, it's in, um, it's technically an engaged humanities program okay. and it touches on psychology a little bit. Um, and so it, it's very fun to just like be in a program with people from, all different areas of like art and creation and creativity because you working in content creation, all of a sudden you look around and every single person that you know is some sort of content creator and it becomes very homogenized and you're just like, I have no, my inspiration is a bit lacking right now. And so yeah. to be able to interact with people that are in completely different universes than me is really refreshing. That was how I was um, feeling in comedy before the pandemic was like, it's like everyone's yeah. trying to do the same thing that we're like bouncing off of each other and it feels completely homogenous. Yeah. And so it's been very nice, but I'm still trying to figure out, I think when, you know, we make content for so long so consistently and so much and you're in the flow of it that you don't even realize until you're totally burnt out that like you look back and go oh there's a whole fuck ton of shit that I quacked out that lives on the internet forever now like no wonder I'm feeling a bit exhausted <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally and that's a memory once said this to me years ago when I was really kind of having a bit of a crisis about like how I felt about everything and she was like you're She's like, not to use like a shitty computer metaphor, but you're exporting so much stuff onto the internet. You need to like step back and import life into your like body and brain. And I was like, that is the dorkiest, but most helpful way to kind of like frame this for myself. And so I think that there's the whole, and it's been comforting to talk to a lot of other content creators that were like kind of in that wave that we were in that have felt different variations of burnout and like pivoting and trying mm -hmm. to figure out like mm -hmm. what the next step of their creativity looks like. 
Um, and I think that's what we're all kind of like in right now. And so it is wild. I have to like keep myself from looking so much at social media and getting into the hamster wheel of comparison of like, yeah. look at all these people just like seemingly effortlessly putting this content out there. Why am I struggling so much with this? And it's like, cause now's not the time if it's not right to be making stuff totally. if you're not in the flow of it. And everything comes and goes in waves. The, the, me- the metaphor I always use is digestion where I'm like, if mm. you're, it's like, so I wish your the computer runs better because it's not as like fucking graphic, but I'm always like, if you're <laughs> like, you shouldn't be like straining and pushing. So if nothing's coming out, yes. you need to eat fiber. <laughs> And drink water. So it's like you need to eat fiber and drink water and take stuff in. And then eventually, like, good stuff will come out. This is why the metaphor is flawed because the good stuff is shit. But, uh... (laughs) But, no, that's, um, that resonates with me deeply. I have very bizarre gastrointestinal issues. So that I understand on a very deep level. Totally. It's just, like, yeah. And I think, like, and anytime I've ever posted something and then watched it back and, like, been, like, absolutely not and deleted it, it's because I was, like... I got to put something out or like, I got to make yeah. something today. And it's like, you actually just truly don't. Well, like I'm fortunate yeah. enough into the position where it's like, it's not my full job. So it's like, I don't have to post a video today. Like I don't, it, my videos have never been my yeah. job and I don't think I ever want them to be because of that. Like I want to make them when I want to make them. And I want like, yeah. but also if you get into that flow state, like don't hold yourself back. I feel like, no, I'm there are weeks where I post where... five videos and then there's weeks where I'm like, absolutely not. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I feel like I've, I got into a state where everything I was making was very repetitive. And then mm-hmm. you go like, I've just created formulas rather than like, uh, you know, content for yeah. myself. And that's, I'm not being rewarded by making this. This doesn't feel good. And that same mentality of like the, I have to versus I want to. And yeah, recognizing that it's huge. Has the stuff with memory felt different? Like the, like the, the, this might get weird. Like that whole world. Does that feel very yeah. different from that? It's a, that's been such a, such a blessing. Cause we started that after we did this show on YouTube, but that was like five days a week and the funding got pulled from it and very abruptly. And I was already it's doing fucked. my podcast, not too deep. So I had all this equipment. I was like, what if we just translate this to a podcast and see what happens? And it's become such a joy for us that's to so be great. able to continue to work together, but also to have a format that allows us to be less edited uh, less curated and more naturally ourselves and to hear that it resonates with people is just like so wonderful which is also why going out and doing these live shows and making more of an actual full comedy show scratched an itch that we haven't been able to scratch I'm sure that felt so amazing yeah 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 well overall it's just I don't know I find it very inspiring to hear kind of like everything you're talking about and just I think it's so impressive the you've been doing this for so long and you've done so much and to be I think it's so cool to like take this step back from a certain part of it and be doing all this input. And I, I'm personally very excited to see whatever comes of it. Even if it's like you become like a, I don't know, like a romance novelist, like something totally like, even if it's like a left. Honestly, that's not off the table. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's, I think that's, I think it's so great because I think it's so easy to paint yourself into a box and then not see that you can get out of the box. And so to fully like remove yourself and take the time to like, not even meditate like live drink your water eat your food as I say like and see what comes out like the way for you that you said the like having to be forced into uh you know quarantine Mm -hmm. and find your voice like as a benefit I think that once you can create for so long and lose your voice that it's like refinding it again yeah I mean nothing I don't think anything can just move uphill forever like it has to come down so that it can then like go back (laughs) up and I think people have to like 
because I think it's, I think we should talk about that more because it's like, I think it's yeah. comfortable or it, it, we should be comfortable with that and enjoy the down to get to the up. Totally. I think everything there was this, and it still is like uh, a little bit of wave of like this hustle culture mentality that I think is very beneficial in certain ways, but it will burn you out in very like devastating ways if you're not careful with your own capacity. Yeah. I think that was the biggest thing I learned over the past few years is like, I thought hustle culture was it. And I was like so busy all the time, but I wasn't actually doing anything. And so for me, it's like, yeah, it's like discipline culture of like, Oh, if I have an idea, do it. But if I don't have an idea, Mm -hmm. don't like sit around being like, you got to hustle today. Like it's just not, it's a different, it's a different, um, it's, it's just a different mindset around it. I think. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, this was so lovely. Thank you so much for doing the show. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Going Out with Jake Cornell. If you could please go and rate and review us on whatever you're listening to this on, that would be really gorgeous for me in a huge way. So thank you. And now for some credits. Going Out with Jake Cornell is recorded in New York City and produced by Keith Beavers and Katie Brown. The music you're hearing is by Darby Seaside. The cover art you're probably looking at was photographed by M. Cooper and designed by Danielle Grinberg. And a special shout out to Vinepair co-founders Josh Mallon and Adam Teeter for making all of this possible. 